Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Pestex Pest Control. Ben with Pestex sprays my house every few months, and with the weather probably, hopefully, getting warmer in a couple of months, that's important because that's when the insects come out. I love that Pestex uses pet-friendly products, and they don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. They evaluate every customer's pest problem, and then they find the best way to solve it. They can do additional yard sprays for flies, fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, all that stuff when the time comes. So to get in touch, call or text 806-433-8841, or look up Pestex on Facebook or Instagram. Today's guest is Nicole Fleetwood. She's the co-owner of Scratch Made Bakery and Cafe, a cool little shop downtown at 6th and Tyler. Nicole is an, maybe an unsuspecting transplant to Amarillo, uh, which we talk about in this episode. She arrived here from North Carolina, primed to start a business, though. Because right before she moved, Nicole competed in the reality TV show Cupcake Wars on the Food Network, and she won. She won the second episode of season seven. So we talk about how she started baking in the first place, how she ended up on TV, and how she built a new life in Amarillo upon finding herself in an unfamiliar place. This is a good one. Here's Nicole Fleetwood. Nicole Fleetwood, welcome to the Hamarillo hey Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This well, is so neat. I'm I'm honored that you're here. I, I know that we've talked in the past. Uh, I've interviewed you before for Amarillo Magazine. Yes. Uh, so we've only known each other for a few years. But I'm grateful to have you on the podcast because I think you have a really interesting story, and I, I want you to be able to tell that to oh, gosh. my listeners. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Good. So let's start like I do with every guest. Um, the first question is, how did you end up here? Oh, and my. I know that's a big, yeah. that's a big, big question. Oh, so yes. walk me through a little bit of your past life before I will. I, I will. Um, I was married to a Marine, and we were stationed in North Carolina for nine years. At that point, he was selected to go recruiting duty. I grew up in Fort Worth, so when okay. you are in the military and you're select to go recruiting, they give you three uh, dream destinations. You write them down, and they do their very best to accommodate, you know, ranked highest to lowest from one to three. So our original plan was Fort Worth. Um, I don't even remember what the second one was, probably Fort Worth, mm -hmm. and then the third was definitely Fort Worth. Okay. Um, and this was as close as they could get us. You weren't anxious to li leave Texas or anything? No, Did you never. grow up all of your life in Texas? I lived there until I was 17, and then we moved to Florida, um, and I lived there until I was 19, and I met what was my husband at the time. Okay. So that's kind of... Texas is home, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Everybody wants to uh, be in Texas. I plan on dying here, God willing, in a very, very, very long time. Okay. Yeah, hopefully a long yeah, time a from long now. time. Was that a culture shock? Like, not just the, you know, the military environment, but like moving from Texas to the East Coast? Oh, Florida was really neat, truly. So my, my first experience outside of Texas was Florida, but we lived 20 minutes from the beach. So that's... Again, being like formative years, I was able to go out and have a good time. I think it was more of a culture shock moving from there to North Carolina. Okay. But then I spent nine years there and I made it home. I've never really lived close to home in my adult life and I've never really had family or anything. So it was just me and my tiny family and we were this little tribe and mm -hmm. the culture shock was moving back to Texas. Okay. So after having lived yes. there for a while, what yeah. what are some of the 
the big differences? I mean, what, what are the oh, elements that are shocking? For sure. Um, the East Coast is super cool. I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, but moving back home, and I say home as in the state of Texas, the weather, the weather is so much different. Um, it's such a drier climate out here opposed to Fort Worth. So I was expecting to find something similar to what I grew up with. And I didn't. The first thing I noticed here was how, and I hate to say it this way, and I'm going to use quotations, but dirty everything was okay. just because there wasn't as much rain to wash everything clean. Right. And it's not necessarily a green area. There was so much brown and uh, that terracotta color that mm-hmm. was kind of shocking to me. And the wind, oh my God, the wind still shocks me. But that's that's even a big difference yeah. you know, here versus elsewhere in Texas. I that's, mean, Fort Worth. It, this or, is the most interesting place I've ever lived. I think that's probably true. And uh-huh. I, I think there are negative and positive yeah, aspects abs- of that, absolutely, I'm sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, okay, so, so before we get too deep into that, tell me about your time in uh, North Carolina. Well, what specifically? Well, I know that that's um, that's when you were on TV. Yep. I know that that's when you sort of started your okay. business. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about that process. Did okay. you grow up like baking or in the kitchen doing stuff like so that? So it's funny. My family would look at you dead in your face and say, I never would have expected this out of Nicole. I mean, I've always been, as they deem me, a free spirit. Okay. That's what they call them. They're, that's what they call me, their little free spirit. I had kids young. My first was born at 19. So my college experience was much di- different than a typical, you know, college experience for most kids. I kind of had to have a game plan going in because I had very little time to attribute and contribute to my education. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to Craven Community College and I just took classes while my husband at the time, we'll call him Andre because that's his name. Okay. And we're still very good friends. Um, But he was military, so a lot of times his schedule was conflicting with classes. So I did my very best to take night classes if that's what it required, or day classes if I was available, or online classes at that time were becoming more and more Mm -hmm. of a thing. So that's pretty much where I got my education. I finished up with an associate's. And um, what what was your area of study? Just a Bachelor of Arts. Okay. Um, However, I continued my education because I planned on being a nurse. Okay. And I finished out what would be equivalent to, I guess, a junior year, you would say, working on those credits to go ahead and get into the nursing program. Um, and then one day I made a batch of cupcakes for a girlfriend. Hmm. And she came over for coffee and she said that they were so delicious. And at that time, having kids so young and my husband was gone a lot, he deployed quite often or he had many workups throughout the U.S. So it was just kind of me and the kids and I felt unfulfilled. Hmm. And I was, I was trying so desperately to find something that made me tick, that made me move, that gave me drive, because I've always had that momentum moving forward in life, but I had nothing to give it to. Okay. So at that point, I was waiting to get into the nursing program. And I just decided, you know what, I'll go to work part time at one of the local bakeries. And that was in North Carolina. Um, And I kept going to the different bakeries and applying and tasting the products. And I was so disappointed. Hmm. And it just ruined the magic for me. Like knowing that everything came from a box or knowing that everything was totally mass produced and there was nothing special behind it. 
So I made a batch of strawberry cupcakes to be specific out of my Martha Stewart cooking cookbook. Okay. Was that like an out of the blue thing or had you just been kind of doing that at home? So I I can't say that it's totally out of the blue. Like I've always made my kiddos cakes Mm -hmm. and cookies and I would just mess around in the kitchen. I made my first set of um, bagels out of a Southern Living cookbook when I was 16. So, but always from scratch, though. Always you from weren't scratch. using like the Duncan Hines no. mix or anything like no, that. No, I always felt like that was cheating. Like okay. it wasn't nearly as special to mix water with some kind of powder. You're doing something, yeah. but you're not doing the whole I, thing. I you felt, know? you know, a sense of achievement after I'd, you know, beat my butter for just the right amount of time. And I, I felt like I was contributing to our little family in some way. But in the time that I was waiting to go into the program again, I was so disappointed in what I saw. So, I decided to look up what I needed to do to sell goods from home. Okay. Um, And in North Carolina, the laws are a little bit different there than they are here. Um, They had like a a cottage law and whatnot, which I know does exist Which we've only had, though, for a few years. When I moved here, it was like, oh, you can just not do that. Okay. But in North Carolina, as long as you had your home inspected by a licensed home inspector from the health department, they would come in and make sure that you didn't have any animals or make sure that your house was clean enough. I mean, it was kind of an... Tense. I mean, hmm. it took, a, I'm not going to say like a long time to get everything taken care of because again, I'm a mover and a shaker, but I got it done and I just started baking from home and then it escalated into baking for the farmer's market once every Saturday. But it gave me the freedom again, because I had really small kids at the time. I think I started when my daughter was three and my son was six. So I was juggling kiddos that weren't even in school yet and juggling kiddos that had just started kindergarten and first grade, but it gave me the freedom. I could put them to bed or I, you know, when they went down for their nap, I could go into the kitchen and take care of special orders. At that point, it was just word of mouth and making, you know, small cakes or cupcakes for special orders. And then I started at the farmer's market. Hmm. I've always had an issue with uh, social anxiety. Not that you would maybe ever guess that because I'm pretty... I'm an introverted extrovert. Sure. Yeah, I understand. That. <laughs> um, but it really helped me to step outside of myself and break out of my shell a bit because I had to promote my product. Right. I had to talk about it. I had to talk to many people that I didn't know every single Saturday that wanted to come up and purchase cupcakes from me. And you always have to have something to say. So I'm grateful for that aspect of it, for sure. I, Plus, you were finding, I, I guess, a fulfillment maybe that oh, had been missing or yes. a purpose. Yes, exact a purpose. I felt, you know, I felt like my husband had a purpose, you know, mm-hmm. he had a passion, he had a job and he was, you know, crawling up the ranks however fast. And, you know, my kids had school and they had their little things. And of course I did things with them. I mean, we did little league and soccer and all of the fun things, but there was nothing for me until I found that. Tell me how that uh, eventually led to your appearance on TV show. Yeah. (laughs) Cupcake Wars. Um, at the time it had only been running for a few seasons and I had no idea as of how to go about getting on the show, but I just felt this desire to figure it out. So it was on your radio radar as you know, something you'd seen. It was a goal. It was a goal that I had set for myself. And at the time that I went on the show, I had only been baking for one year. Wow. Okay. Um, but I sent an email to anybody that I thought would possibly listen, I talked to Food Network emails. I talked to Super Delicious, which is a production company for Cupcake Wars. And I finally got an email back. I mean, it took a little bit of time. Um, but the process was so much more difficult, I guess, than I thought that it was going hmm. to be. I mean, we're talking 
of just getting on the show, yes. like passing whatever oh, yeah. gateway they have. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll talk to anybody that talks to them, but they're not going to take you serious unless you can, you know, do certain things. So I had to prove that I was, you know, good enough to do it. I and they're not just looking for, say. like, skill in the final product, but, no. like, personality. And how are you on camera? Oh, yeah. Your and, look, yeah. your personality. Again, I'm pretty fun, so maybe that had something to do with it. But I had to do quite a bit. A lot of video... A lot of essay, a lot of back and forth, um, but that was kind of how it went until they, it was very, very weird. I was at the time, I was baking from home and I had met a woman at the farmer's market that allowed me to lease a very small room for her. It was smaller than this room that we're in right now. Okay. And I had an oven, I had a refrigerator, I had a sink, and I had a few shelves. Wow. And she allowed me to come in and just bake some things and just put them on the display in her cafe and bakery. Um, and at that time, that is when I went ahead and applied for Cupcake Wars. Okay. I felt like maybe I would be taken a little more serious, even though I was still baking from home, special orders and whatnot. But I don't know. Maybe the location had something to do with it. At any point, did they say, how long have you been doing this? Or tell me about your cupcake shop or, you know, something where there was the assumption that you were a longtime pro, yeah, you know? no. Never? I will say that they definitely asked, but I just assumed it would kick me out of the running. Okay. I never thought that they would even consider working with me. Um, but at that time, it was such it was so interesting. And I look back on it now, and I just wonder if it had anything to do with it. But after I had applied, but before I had been accepted, a couple came in to the little cafe. Um, it was a husband and wife, and they had a baby with them, but they were going to be doing a quote-unquote show, and they wanted to videotape me while I was doing it. And they just asked me all sorts of little questions. And I look back on it now, and I think that had something to do with the interview process. Hmm. I really, really do. It was so sneaky. It was so sneaky. But I, I don't even remember their names anymore. But I think that maybe they sent scouts out hmm. to the different. Kind of a secret shopper yeah, or something. Like maybe, like maybe this girl's good enough. Or maybe we want to see if she's able to even be on camera. Because they asked me all sorts of questions similar to what we're doing now, like, how did you end up here? How long have you been doing this? Why are you doing this? What's your favorite thing? I mean, again, I looked at it then and I was like, oh, that was just a really sweet couple that came in. But now I'm like, oh, hang on. Okay. That was it. Okay. So once you got on the show itself, yeah. um, what year was that? Like uh, the, 2012. All right. Did yeah. it tape and air the same year? Okay. So it, it filmed in August. Okay. Um, and I wasn't allowed to talk about it. At all to anyone. So I knew that I had won the show. All right. Because they film everything. You're there for five days the first time around. And it was a lot. It was so difficult. And they took us out to stage six in L.A., which was the same place that they filmed Mad Men. Right. Um, the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling in it. So, okay. I mean, it was a very legitimate. Like, we were walking in to view the studio. They were allowing us to come in the day before filming and just look around, um, just look at the equipment, familiarize yourself, you know. And at the t it's so funny. At the time, I just remember looking at the kitchen and being like, oh, my God, I don't stand a chance. Yeah. There were gas ovens. There were gas stoves. And I had only ever worked on an electric flat top at home or, you know, my little oven that takes 25 minutes to bake one batch of cupcakes. But I was now just had to jump yeah. into the like not even a big world. commercial kitchen no. i mean that literally what you cook with at home is wow. what i was working with all that time um so i was i was terrified i didn't think that i stood a chance and i remember going to bed that night and you know just saying my prayers just hoping that i could at least not go home first would be awesome mm -hmm. so we walked in and i met the all-american rejects 
because they were filming the show before ours. Wow. And then Florian walked out. I don't know very much French, but I can definitely introduce myself. And I did so to Florian and he just thought I was the most darling thing. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I felt like they favored me a little. Once you got into the filming process, mm-hmm. um, you know, the five days that's yeah. compressed, you know, yes. so much, but was it enjoyable? Was it stressful? I mean, what was oh, that gosh. experience like? Um, mentally preparing to go was the most difficult part for me. Okay. Once I got on the plane, I was fine. Um, my next set of like the, that anxious, oh my God moment was when I saw the equipment that I was going to be right. using. But other than that, I really kept my cool through filming, really. I mean, it was like I had a job to do. I had a goal to achieve and I was going to do it and I wasn't going to let fear get in my way. So that was it. Filming was intense, though. It okay. was intense. Intense. Like like scary intense, yeah. like exhausting intense. Oh. I mean, what? where okay, was the so intensity? So we started filming at 5 a.m. Okay. I think we showed up at 4.45 at the studios. They keep you separated from all of the other competitors. So the only person that you are there with is your partner, and you don't have communication with anyone else. But every time there was a break um, or every time, I mean, the break, we would just sit in that room for an hour and you're just like, oh my God, the deliberation was terrifying. Hmm. And the actual judging, they only show you a small clip it. Sure. So I was, I think the third person to be judged the first round, but I listened to them and I hate to say berate, but like, or lash out, but those are the words that come to mind to the other competitors that were before me. And I was just standing there and that was a terrifying moment. I was like, Oh my God, they're not nice. Yeah, it's, like they're it's not, not a this friendly is very process. Very serious. Um, but then it came to me, and everything went well for me. Obviously, so that was pretty neat. Tell me, I mean, maybe this is an obvious question, but mm. tell me why you think you won. Like based on your competitors, based on what you were able to do. Oh, for sure. Um, why um, they only show a very small snippet of the judging process. Um, the first time that. They talked to me. They were just so impressed with the uh, texture Mm -hmm. of my cake. And that was the same cakes that I had been working with. And it just made me feel maybe that's what gave me the confidence boost. I think I have a lot of personality. And I think that's very, very obvious. But ultimately, I think I just had a superior product, really. I mean, just through and through a superior product, a better vanilla cake, a better buttercream, a better mixture, a better... Uh, pairing of flavors. Everything just happened to go really well for me. And I bypassed a lot of the mistakes that maybe others were making. Like I've only seen the episode two times. Um, Once was when it first aired. And I believe that was October 14th. And it was myself, my husband, uh, my two kids. And then he had invited over one of his best friends with his kids. And we were all just sitting there as a total of like six of us, seven of us. And I was just, I looked at myself and I just felt like I was watching someone other than myself. I was, Hmm. I had such poise. I was not afraid. I answered everything correctly. Um, It doesn't show it in the filming, probably because I answered the question wrong again. Like at the very end, before you go home, they do kind of like what we're doing now. It's like an interview. So whenever you see them singularly talking, they're asking questions and you're answering in the, in the present tense as if you're filming right Right. then. Uh, But during filming, Florian looked at me and he just said, if you ever need a job, you call me. Hmm. And I just thought that was so neat. And now I just think I wish my response had been, here's my number, call me maybe. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but that's not the way that it played out. But ultimately, I just think I had a better product than anyone. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds yeah. to me like you weren't 
trying to do something or trying to be something. I mean, it was just, that was what you'd been doing and you'd been yes. doing it right. I think along. you really hit the nail on the head with that. I wasn't attempting to be anything other than what I was. I still even focus on just the basics. Hmm. I don't need to get too fancy. I just want something done really, really well. It just needs to be good. That's it. So my vanilla cake was delicious, but I had been focusing on vanilla cake, nailing it, mastering it, getting it done. And I still feel like I haven't mastered vanilla cake yet. Wow. And I'm pretty darn good at it. So, Okay. So that experience was all pre-Amarillo. Yes. Um, no, that was, well, yeah, that was pre-Amarillo. Yeah. Okay. So and so eventually timelines. you ended up here. So, so tell I me how that happened. I ended up here six months after that. Okay. So once I won the episode and it was all over in North Carolina, all over my hometown, like I got to enjoy the fruits of that win, if you will, at the farmer's market for about six weeks. Wow. Yeah. And then we were, then we moved. So I didn't really get to. And so you're thinking, all right, here's this great thing. I can coast on this or I can start my own bakery or something. And then life kind of picks up and takes you back to Texas. Yeah. My goal was to open a bakery at that point. Um, and business had obviously after that, I mean, it picked up for me so grandly that I was able to save, you know, a small little nest egg to invest into it. But then I was going somewhere where I didn't know anyone, right? No one knew my reputation. And it's really easy to tell people here in Amarillo, like a one cupcake wars, but anyone that's washed it doesn't know that I live in Amarillo. You know, I'm still the girl that lives in North Carolina that won. How long were you here in Amarillo before you started to think, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to relaunch this thing. Day here. one. Day one? The drive here. All right. Day one. Before so you I like never hesitated. Here. You no. were ready. The moment that I knew that we were going to Amarillo, I started looking up property for rent, property for lease, property for sale here in Amarillo. Um, and I started looking up, obviously, the competitors and seeing like, you know, what do I have to beat? What do I have to contend with when I get there? Because it was a very different city than New Bern, North Carolina, where I was living. Very, very different. This is a much higher population but not opening a bakery was never an option okay. for me. That once I make up my mind to do something, that was it. I knew one person, actually. When I first moved here, I again, going back to like finding your purpose, feeling like you had found something, I felt like the floor fell out from under me, mm-hmm. and I became really, really, really depressed. Right. Just... Well, it's, I mean, it's a huge change, and that's, that's one of those, you know, you see the list of how much something impacts your stress level and like yeah, moving is absolutely. always right up there at the absolutely. top but i felt like again i had to find my purpose okay but i had found it and i'm still gonna have to work really hard for it so um i fell into a pretty deep dark depression when we first moved here i spent a lot of time in a bubble bath you know and then i just i prayed to god to find me a friend because hmm. i didn't I didn't have anyone. I didn't know anyone. And it's funny. I was drop. I was picking my son up from school and I saw a girl and I just said, I'm going to ask her to coffee. I did not know her. I'd ne- I'd never met her before in my life, but I knew that I was going to have to make an effort to change my life. Okay. I was going to have to make an effort. Um, and I just grabbed her and I said, Hey, I'm Nikki. I think our kids go to school together close to the same grade. If you'd ever like to have a cup of coffee, please let me know. And she was my first employee at my bakery. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, and I opened a business uh, two months after that moment. You you said that you looked at 
the competition, yeah. you know, what you were getting into. What I mean, what when you came into Amarillo, yeah, knowing that you wanted to open a bakery, what did you find? Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you the dirt. No, I'm joking. Because there's a lot of bakeries in Amarillo there's and a, a lot, lot of bakeries that have been here a lot. for a long time. Um, I mean, there's at some... the time, it seemed to be like Ruffled Cup and Belmar were going to be my biggest competition. Okay. Ruffled and Cup being time, pretty new at the time yeah. and Belmar having been around for quite Forever. a while. Forever. Um, and here's a little thing that I don't tell everyone because I don't always get the opportunity to, but um, I applied to Ruffled Cup. Okay. And she wouldn't talk to me. Hmm. I literally continued to call and just say, I've got a great resume. Because at that time, looking at the money that I'd saved, looking at the money that it was going to cost, I thought, you know, because at the time we intended on going back to North Carolina because that's what we had made home. And we were only going to be here you for You thought three this was years. temporary. Yes, we were supposed to be here for three years. And I thought, okay, for three years I can continue to work on a degree, maybe in business, maybe in social media, maybe in marketing. And maybe I could work at a local bakery and just make some money so I'm not just sitting idly by. And at that time, both of my kids were in elementary school, so I had my whole day free. And again, I'm kind of a busybody. So sitting around the house was just not an option for me. My sister-in-law at the time was living in Martha's Vineyard, and that trip sort of changed my life. So I went and I visited her in Martha's Vineyard, the kiddos and I. And we spent two weeks there. In that two weeks, I probably called, and I believe her name is Deanna, Eight times. Wow. Please sit down with me. Please sit down with me. And she did. I came back home and she interviewed me. Um, but at that time, like after the interview, I realized that she never really had the intentions of hiring me, but she just wanted to know what my next step was, hmm. which is fine, you know, um, and how different my life would be if she had given me that job. Yeah. Because I probably just would have worked part time. Yeah, you for her would have been somebody's years. employee, yep. you know? And just moved back in three years and continued to save my money and then open where I had developed a name for myself. Okay. But it didn't play out that way. It didn't. So, it did not. When you finally opened Scratch Made Bakery, mm-hmm. did you start downtown? It was the Wild Cupcake at the time. Okay, Wild Cupcake. That's right. But yes, it was yeah. downtown. And there was nothing downtown. Literally like nothing. Restaurants, Literally bakeries. nothing. Um, my first call was to McCart and Associates. Um, and I asked them just to show me some properties that they may have had available, that I had this idea that I was interested in opening a bakery, focusing on cupcakes, and obviously delving into more of the baked goods world like cookies and cakes sure. and muffins and whatever have you. And it took a little bit of time. I believe her name was Brittany Doyle. She was working with Joe Bob at the time and she was my leasing agent. And I'll tell you right now, I love Joe Bob. I love him and Deborah just so much. Um, but she showed me this. I was actually out of town. I was in Fort Worth probably visiting family again because we go back and forth quite often. And she said, I found a place. I'm really kind of afraid to show it to you right now. But I want you to have faith in us that we'll make it exactly what you want it to be. Okay. And that place was Chinatown, located on where I'm at currently, mm-hmm. 118 Southwest 6th Ave. And she sent me some photos. She said, I'm just sending these to you as a precursor. Please keep in mind that we're willing to do a complete build out for you. And I remember looking at the photos and thinking, oh, my God, how is this going to happen? Like, totally. They had to have a hazmat crew come in and clean up the space. Because it hadn't been anything for I, how long? It was still Chinatown. It, it, like, but they were on a month-to-month okay, so month lease. It was still operating. It was restaurant. operating, had, okay. but their lease had run out, and they were on a month-to-month. And I know that Joe Bob was probably looking for someone that was going to come in and make it something. Got it. And he did. He he laid it all on the line for, a what was I, 
27, 28 at the time mm-hmm. for a 28 year old with just a dream. And I will be forever grateful for that moment. I got to pick out paint colors and I got to pick out floors. And if you go into the bakery now in the kitchen, I made certain that there was a window because I wanted people to be able to look in and see what a scratch made kitchen looks like. I didn't want to hide anything from anyone purchasing anything from me. I wanted them to see exactly what I was doing. And I still believe that now. Did you intentionally think... I want to open something and I want it to be downtown? Or was that just an accident of Joe Bob helping you? No, that was absolutely... I think I've always gravitated towards a downtown type atmosphere. And in most cities, there's a bustling hub and revitalized downtowns. I mean, you can go to OKC. Right. We're not even going to talk about Boston and all the other places. I mean, in North Carolina, we had a downtown and it was just... I mean, we're talking, I don't even know how many thousands of people lived in New Bern, but it's not nearly as big as Amarillo, but their downtown was bustling. I mean, there was shopping, there was walking, there was bakeries and restaurants and all sorts of things to do. So when I moved here, that was probably my biggest shock, driving yeah. through downtown and thinking, oh my God, there's literally nothing here. That we're making progress on that front now, but when yeah. you opened it was just still a pipe dream for a yes, lot of people absolutely. downtown. And in my mind, it worked this way. I know that this is going to be something someday. Mm-hmm. And right now is the time to get in because I can afford it. Sure. So that was my goal. And to continue to be part of that revitalization project by putting my money where my mouth is. Okay. So. Tell me how, I mean, obviously the name has changed yeah. um, and, and you've grown a little bit, but yeah. tell me how... What you're doing now, how the bakery is different yeah, from okay. how it started. Um, I really love this story. Um, so I have a business partner. Her name is Mackenzie Hodges. And we dated guys in the same band. That's how we met. Okay. Um, they were a little hesitant for us to meet because she was baking at home. And she was wanting to open a bakery at some point. So she had a full-time job as a landman. And then she would bake out of her kitchen at nights. And we met and we just immediately clicked. I mean, just... I never felt like we were ever competing. I always felt like we were on the same team. Like I I even remember sitting in her kitchen with her and saying, girl, you do not charge enough for your cakes when I could go to the bakery and make the same cake myself. Right. But it was always like we were rooting for each other. It was November, what, six years ago now, five and a half years ago. Um, And I had just a, a ton of Thanksgiving orders and she had a ton of Thanksgiving orders. And I said, hey... Like you're welcome to use the bakery. I mean, you're you're welcome to use all the equipment that I have. And then we just decided that if we merged, we could tackle more ground faster. Okay. So that's kind of how that happened. And we literally picked a name, had a vinyl sign put up, and then we registered our name. Got we it. were like, oh my god, what if we I can't get this name? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much how it happened. And we just became Scratch Main Bakery. We didn't delve into the brunch or food world until we had trouble paying our bills. And, you know, it was one of those like eater beaten moments where it's like, what's our next step? What can we possibly do to bring in more revenue? And the goal was to start serving food. Okay. So we just started doing food that we had learned over the years. Um, You know, everything that you eat at the bakery is what we either grew up with or we taught ourselves to do. So neither one of us are chefs neither one of us went to school unless you want to call it like the school of hard knocks for for culinary arts but we just continue to do simple things really really well how do you when when you have two individuals both of whom are sort of in 
the same competing business yeah. and then you join forces. Yep. Like how do you divide the labor? I mean, did did each of you kind of have something you specialized at? Yeah. You to- know, it's so funny. We never ever and still don't have an issue with it. Okay. Um, I actually had a conversation with Patrick Burns a few years ago. I don't even know if he would remember it. But he was talking to me about when he hires, he hires, he outsources for what he has a problem with. He outsources for the things that he knows that he like can't the, do. him personally. Correct. Okay. And I just thought, I can't believe I've never seen business that way. That is the smartest thing I've ever heard. Um, I love baking. I love it. I love it so much. I live and die by the cake. Decorating is not my favorite thing to do. Okay. I can put together a simple cake. The cake that I brought actually for the Friendsgiving, I put together myself. Obviously, I can make a decent cake. But she Looked great, baked, tasted great. That's it. <laughs> but she loves the decorative process. So for me, my perfect world is to bake a cake, bake all of the things, make all of the things, put together all the buttercreams, all the flavors, and she wants to come in and make it beautiful. So that was just sort of how we divvied it up. And she's excellent with French macaroons. So that was a thing that I was doing in very small quantities. I'm like, okay, we'll just have a few Macs out today when it was right. just me. And then again, it was like outsourcing with a business partner, but I think it was just as beneficial for her because she didn't have to go in, bake a cake, wait for it to cool, do these things right. and then get to the part that she loved. It makes you loved. both more efficient yeah. then. Just we're, we are more efficient together. Okay. Yeah. One of the things when I've told people about Scratch Made Bakery, if if I run into somebody who has not eaten there and they ask me about it, one thing I end up talking about pretty often is Brunken. Oh, yeah. Because the idea uh, to some people is so different. Uh And to other people, they're just like, oh, that's genius. I don't know why nobody else does that. So tell me about Brunken and how that idea developed. Um, Again, one of those moments of like, oh, my God, we need to make more money or we're not going to make it. So at the time, Chase Reed was working with us a bit, um, and he worked over at Imperial Tap Room for a while before he moved down to Houston, and he just became one of our good friends and worked with us in the kitchen, and he was very, 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 very talented. And then we just decided one day, like, let's just, let's do a late night brunch. Let's just see how it goes. And then Mackenzie was like, we can call it Brunken. And we all laughed about it because it's like a drunken brunch, mm-hmm. you know, and that's literally how it happened. Um I will say like the overwhelming consensus is that it's totally awesome. Like I can't believe nobody's doing this. I mean mm-hmm. the same thing you just said, but by the same token, we'll host a Brunken and three people show up or we'll host a Brunken and 55 people show up. Okay. So you just never know. Um, I will say that because we're owner operators and we both work more than full time, you get tired and the peak seasons for Brunken is going to be spring and summer. Okay. We do pop up Brunkins throughout the fall and the winter. The goal is to do at least one a month. And it's actually been going really good. We did one just the other week, just a quote unquote pop up Brunkin as we call it. I mean, and we served so many people and they were just thrilled to come in and eat late night brunch. So it was just, again, a means to an end. Like we got to make it, what are we going to do? And and like you intended with the idea, are the patrons who are coming in, are they people coming out of the bars or are they, you know, wait staff who are getting off of work? Is it Yes and yes crew? and yes and yes. Okay. Uh, we also have um, like Bible study groups that come in and being that 
I mean, it's a pretty safe and wholesome environment. Sure. You know, it's really come in. Sometimes we put game boards out and people play games. We have a lot of friends and family that come in, a lot of families that come in late night because there's not just a whole lot to do past 10 p.m. if you want to go get food. Right. Um, we see a lot of dates, a lot of bumble dates, um, a lot of first time dates. Okay. It's very, very cool. Um, I will say that we've probably only had one instance with drunks. I hate right. to say it that way. Somebody who really did need to like, you right. know, get a someone hangover that needed cure to go home. Like, yeah. like someone that needed to, to take their Uber and go home. Um, but that, that's really the only instance. And even that was pretty peaceful, but the patronage is diverse, very diverse, young, old, drunk, sober, bored, happy, just all kinds Bar of Bar hoppers and Bar, Bible yeah. study people, you know. Exactly. Tell me about downtown. Having been there before a lot of the changes started happening, and then now with a little more energy there. Yeah. I mean, what have you seen? How has it For sort sure. of changed? Um, it's so neat. Actually, next our next-door neighbors, it's a 118 Classics, and it's a barbershop, uh, and the owner is Phil Hill. And Phil Hill and I, again, have been friends since I moved in there. And he's been pushing for a revitalized downtown, and so is Beth Duke and everyone mm -hmm. else. When I first moved there, it was bleak. You know, there weren't just a whole lot of pedestrians. Um, and as time progressed, it just, you could see the life. It literally, it's like someone blew life right into it. And you started seeing more passers-by. You started seeing cars. You started seeing people park. Um, OHMS is which is our direct neighbor just right across right. the street from us, which I personally love. Um, they've always had a steady following, really. So I always felt like, okay, like if they can do it and persist, we can do it too. But it hasn't been up until the past couple of years. And I, I know that like off the hook and six car moved in or six car moved in and crush moved their locations and then lit popped up. And there's been a few that have popped up and closed down. And I find that so disheartening, really. It's almost it's almost like a kick to the gut. Right. Where you see it and you're like, oh, thank God, something's finally happening. Or, oh, fin finally, someone's breathing life into this downtown. And then as quickly it goes up, it goes away. And I wonder if some of that is is kind of the growing pains that a lot of urban areas experience. Certainly. You know, where you have something come in and maybe it's a little ahead of its time. Yep. You know, it's it's a couple years a too, too soon. too much too soon, yep. Um, that, that as the energy returns and as yeah. that revitalization continues, like it's 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 kind of clearing the way for something that may be really cool, you know, oh, in a couple sure. years. For we sure, know about. for sure. I think, um, I know that Burger Bar has always been there. It's currently Polk Street Eats. Right. They changed ownership but I believe it was Palace that came in first. I mean, Crush has always been there, of course. But Palace was after us, like the, you know, the segue into yeah. making again putting your money where your mouth is. Like I think this is a really cool location. I think this location has a lot of potential. I'd love to see what it has to offer. Um, but even that was just a little bit different for them than they were planning sure. as well. You know, again, the evolution of and changing to survive. But I think once Palace moved in, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief, like, okay, we're not crazy. Right. We're not crazy to be here. Other people want to be here too. So I think that that had a lot to do with it. And then after that, I mean, it was Moondoggies and it was Esquires and, you know, then it was that six car crush combo building. And then it was off the hook, you know, and seeing everything progress, even though like there's some regression, it still feels like 
building momentum. Right, right. And now the Barfield building is being renovated. Um, it's scheduled for April. I mean, again, being in construction, I don't know how that really works right. in real time. But I, I have faith that that's going to do a lot for the downtown area. And that's well. more people and more people there late at night and early morning, yes. which is great for absolutely. a bakery or absolutely. a coffee shop. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And not not to even mention the ballpark or not to mention um, what is the suites that just did, opened up over there. Same Embassy place. Suites. Yes. Yeah. Such a beautiful location. So neat. They did the best of Amarillo there mm-hmm. this year. That was really, really neat to see. Or maybe that was two years ago, and then it became bigger, and they did it at the Civic Center this past year. There we go. So two years ago, they did it at Embassy, but I can't believe it's been there that long. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems crazy. like a fixture now, but it was still being built, you know, two or three years ago. people that come in, and they're like, Embassy Suites told us to come down here to get some brunch, you know, or people that come into Brunken late night from the ballpark, they, you know, they just want to have fun. So it's been really neat to watch it grow. You came to Amarillo Based on on what you thought was a, a temporary assignment, uh-huh. um, kind of uprooted suddenly yep. and battled, you know, what you called depression and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, now so many years later, mm-hmm. and you've got this business and this fixture downtown. Does does it feel like like home for you? Does it feel like not temporary anymore? Yeah, I think we divorced uh, six and a half years ago. That's why I stayed because okay. I had a business. I mean, we divorced. Like that could have been an opportunity to just get out and go back. That was my opportunity to up and move. And I chose to stick it out. And I made this home. And it's still home. This is home. Amarillo's home. Tell me why. What did you find here that gave you that sense that, okay, this is is where I'm going to continue pursuing that purpose? Or this is where I'm going to plant some roots? A life, a purpose, and unfinished business. All right. I am just not done doing what I need to do. In some way, I just feel like I have unfinished business. So I still have that calling to continue moving forward. I, I want to say that Amarillo is super open and welcoming. And by the for the for the most part, I believe that it is. But being an outsider coming in and a lot of people not really knowing my backstory and thinking I'm just some outsider, but I'm not. I'm from Texas. Yeah, I love Texas. I, this is me coming home and this is me making home. But I think that you can make home anywhere you choose to sow your seeds. So that's why I stay. I want my kiddos to have familiarity. I want them to have a home base. I want them to have friends that they go to school with throughout their entire year. Yeah. You know, and I want them to have something to come back to. So that's why I stay. I think I chose to make it home and I choose to make it home. This week's episode is sponsored by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Now, Eddie has been my dentist for at least 25 years. We've known each other forever, and he's my kid's dentist, too. He's an expert on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patient's smiles and positioning. He's got my son, Owen, in Invisalign braces right now, and Owen much prefers those to the traditional brackets and wires and all that stuff. It looks better, they feel better on his teeth, and they don't cut his mouth up during basketball games, which that's important for him, and me, too. So to learn more about Dr. Eddie Sauer or Shimon Dental Group, visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Okay, I'm back with Nicole Fleetwood of Scratch Made Bakery. Hey, everybody. Hey. So this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Okay. And as my guest, 
Um, I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. You get to answer those oh, in as much okay. detail as you want. Okay. Uh, this is not any sort of competition. I know you're familiar with those. So I do love a good competition. All right. Well, I do. <laughs> let's see where we get. This first one is a question that I have never asked anybody else before. This okay. is just for you. What's your personal favorite baked good? Okay. So that's your your job. Ooh. You're famous for pu- cupcakes. Okay. You bake stuff all the time. What's your favorite thing? Uh, birthday cake. No, I'm, that's too easy. Um, I'm a sucker for a really good slice of coconut cream pie, and I love a cream puff. But not just any old cream puff. I don't want it filled with whipped cream. I don't right. want it filled with creme chantilly. I want it filled with Mexican vanilla flavored buttercream. Okay. And I want it dipped in chocolate. And it's delicious, and it's terrible for you, and it's very, very sweet, and I love it. But I guess my favorite baked good would have to be, yeah, a cream okay. puff. Just you, a cream puff. Do you sell anything like that? I used to make cream puffs for a good while there, and it's just one of those things that I was like, oh, mastered it, moving on now. And then I'd move on to something else All and right. then work on lemon bars or something. You know, that I, again, being self-taught, I can pretty much do whatever I want, especially owning the place. You know, me and Mackenzie look at each other and we're like, let's just do this today. And that's what we do. And you have that freedom to experiment, just see if anybody likes it. And if they really do, maybe you make it a thing. Absolutely. I mean, that's it. We have, again, like being an entrepreneur, you get that freedom. And I do not take it for granted. I love it. I can go in tomorrow and bake whatever I want to bake. And that is kind of neat. All right. Yeah. What's the most underrated aspect of living in this area? Oh, yeah. Okay. I had to really search for that when I first moved here. That was something that as much as I love being back in the state of Texas, I felt like I was kind of out of sorts because in North Carolina, I also lived 30 minutes from the beach. So for 11 years solid, I lived within, you know, very easy driving distance of going to the beach. But it wasn't just that. It was like the preparation of getting ready to go to the beach, you know, getting your lunch ready or getting the kids ready, the smell of sunblock, the snacks, the blankets, the towels. Oh, man, we forgot our towel. Um, So I think one of the most underrated aspects of this area is Paladero Canyon. Okay. That was one thing that I really felt like it's not the same as going to be to the beach, but it's the same type of preparation and the same type of time spent, but in a different way. So I've I spent a lot of time in the canyon when we first moved here, and I've spent a lot of time in the canyon over the years just hiking every trail. Yeah. Even if I don't have a road dog to go with me, I just go. The sunsets are another one. Oh, my. It's mind-blowing how beautiful the sky is here because there's nothing to obstruct it. Yeah, that's what... That's what has always been hard for me, going to someplace like North Carolina yeah. or someplace where you're surrounded by trees. Yeah, it's great. It's different. Yeah. But then you're like, I, I can't see the no, horizon. No, it's neat and it's know? green, but you can't see anything. I mean, it's like cotton candy skies here every single night. I look at the sunset probably every single night that it's visible, and I'm still just blown away by how beautiful and magnificent it is. Cotton candy skies, that's what I call it. Just okay. stunning. What does this area have too much of? I don't know that it has too much of anything. No, because even if there's too much of something, I feel like it almost takes on a negative undertone. Like there's just mm-hmm. too much of that. I don't feel that way here. I I think this is a really, again, the most interesting place I've ever lived and definitely ever called home. I don't know that there's too much of anything. I'd, I'd love to see more of even what we have now. So more is always better. Okay. There's not too much of anything. Well, then we'll move on to the next question. Yeah. What does this area not have enough of? What do we need more uh, of? Okay. Again, I'll go back to when I first moved here and not being able to find that central hub. I would really, really love to see Amarillo blossom into 
multiple points of walkable space. I love Sixth Street. I really do. I love the energy behind it. But again, it's a couple of blocks. Right. Um, I used to go to, what is it, Sunset Center Mm -hmm. for the art shows once a month. And that was neat, but that's only once a month. So I would really love to continue to see downtown grow and revitalize. Actually, I'm going to go back to that other question. Now that I talk about revitalization, there's too many buildings begging and pleading for renovation in this area. We're just looking for the right tenant. That's it. I, I think that's what there is. There are too many amazing buildings going untouched. A lot of like old warehouse space. Yeah, so and cool. Just structurally yeah. neat. Like just you, the architecture here. I'm so impressed by it. The older buildings, like seeing the Barfield building come to life after seeing just this old dilapidated building across my way where foxes and homeless people would shelter. Right. Now I'm seeing it become something special, something that it deserves to be. So that's, I guess, what I would like to see more of is more revitalization. Okay. And what I want to see more of is more people enjoying that, you know, coming in and taking the chance and opening up those little mom and pop shops or actually, you know, frequenting those spaces, patronizing those spaces because if the people don't show up, they don't survive. Yeah. That's it. You know, Amarillo is so neat. It has like, um, like a big city feel with a small town vibe. Okay. Everybody knows everybody. There's no more than three degrees of separation at any given time. You know, I mean, I'll go have a conversation with a business partner and she knows exactly what I'm talking about and who I'm talking about because the space, again, it's big city, small town vibe. So that's what I want to see more of, more walkable space. Okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to swap out one of my questions of course. Um, because you've already kind of answered it. And I want to go back to something you said already that this is one of the most interesting places you've ever lived. Yeah. Unpack that. Like, why? Okay. What's What's so interesting about it? It's unique in that I think it's a wonderful hub for small business, mm-hmm. and yet the small businesses aren't exactly patronized well. So there's people out there willing to take the chance. The people in Texas are so different than any other part of the U.S., but the people in Amarillo are even more different from anyone else in the state of Texas that I've, or, you know, any other city that I've been to. I think it's unique in that it's somewhat of a rugged atmosphere, somewhat of a rugged area, and people are built to survive it. So the mm-hmm. people out here are just tough. I mean, I think that's the way that I would put it. They're tough. And that's not something that you find everywhere. This is not a weak-minded space. This, okay. is, this belongs to tough people that... Typically, you'd say get walked all over, but this is just such a cool place. It's it's not it's like being in the state of Texas, but it's also just different than any other city I've ever been to in Texas. So maybe that's it. Okay, if that's the best way that I can answer it, that makes sense. Yeah. When was the last time you went to the Big Texan? Okay, okay. Um, well, I pass by there pretty often, uh, but the last time that I went was in October of 2017. All right. Yeah. Uh, actually, when I first moved here, one of the gentlemen that owns it, and again, I only met them the one time, and I do not remember their names. Bobby and Danny Lee. I think I spoke to Bobby um, about what I do because he had read in the newspaper about me and me coming into this town. And he talked a little bit maybe about me coming in and doing some things with cupcakes and whatnot. It never really turned into anything, but I always felt like they were very, very nice. Mm-hmm. And I felt welcomed in that moment, if you will. Um, but yeah, 2017, October, my friend came in from Fort Worth to visit and they really wanted to go. And I had a great experience. Yeah. My food was great. It's my fun. service was great. It is a blast. It's so kitschy. It's so neat. I think it's a really, really cool space. All right. Yeah. 
other than your own bakery, what's your favorite restaurant in Amarillo? Oh, goodness. Another one of those things that Amarillo has that I have yet to find in any other city. And I love food. God, I love food. I love trying all sorts of food. The food here is unique in and of itself. I really love Golden Light for a burger. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite place to get a burger. And I typically just get a hamburger with all the fixings, but I always add peanut butter to mine. Really? Yeah. Try it. It's fantastic. Okay. It'll change your life. I really love Bangkok, Tokyo. All right. Um, I like Indian oven a lot. Uh, the drunken oyster. If I'm on a hot date, um, let's see English field house, best French toast I've ever had. I've heard that. Fantastic. I've never been out oh, there for goodness. breakfast. You got to take your wife, go on a hot date. You got to go. Like you, you just barely see it. the sign. You always see the sign going to and from the airport. I didn't. I mean, like by the time we made it out there and I still hadn't seen the space, I was like, where are we going? Mm -hmm. This is terrifying, but I've probably been 10 times okay. and I don't go out to eat that often again because of what I do. I typically cook at home. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Also, Amarillo has a wonderful coffee culture. I mean, just shockingly so, truly. So I'll, I'll get a little little detailed. Um, I love a cappuccino from 806, favorite right. place in town. If I go to Palace, I get a lavender latte, hands down, favorite latte in town. Um, roasters, I hit up pretty frequently because I don't live too far from them. Um, and they have that wonderful, you know, customer the little coupon card that yeah. they, they click for you. So I always feel like I'm getting a deal, but I get an Americano there. Um, S&J Coffee House. Which is right yeah, down the street from you. literally two doors down. Um, I always get a sugar-free vanilla almond milk latte. Okay. Um, I know that there's a few other places that have opened. Evocation's not open any longer. I loved their, um, I think that was just a honey latte, and I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that there, and I do miss that spot. That was a really cool place. Um, but there's another one that opened up recently, and I don't remember the name of it. There's Five Senses over right. um, near there, and I have tried it. It was great, but I don't go because it's not really on my way. There's Urbana okay, over Urbana. on Coulter. Yep. I don't mind Urbana. I think okay. it's really neat that they have the live music there, and it's always a really nice, relaxed atmosphere. It's clean. I really like them. They all have sort of a different personality, a they different do. feel. It's a neat – it's just a coffee culture. Like even when I go to Fort Worth and I go again pretty often – I'll look up local coffee shops or mm -hmm. coffee shops near me and I'll hit up something, but it, it doesn't, it's just not the same. All right. It's special here. Well, Nicole, that concludes my eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something related to the area. So like, what's one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? You know, I hear a lot of some, I hate to say it this way, but I hear a lot of people talk about like, there's nothing to do in Amarillo, and I just don't believe that. The live music scene here is so impressive. The local music here is so impressive. The arts are so impressive. I mean, if you just make the effort. But I guess if I had to push any one thing, it's going to be the revitalization of downtown. Okay. I love it. I think it's important. I think that this community has so much to gain from having a central hub to walk around in that is rich in history not necessarily just brand new. Like as much as we love brand new things, it's pretty cool to – knock the dust off of something and make it beautiful again. Yeah. So I want downtown to be something special. So All right. Yeah. Nicole Fleetwood, thank you so much for being on the Hey Marilla podcast. You I appreciate call me it. Nikki from now All on. right, Nikki Fleetwood. <laughs> I've, it's so I've nice. gotten the go-ahead. <laughs> thank you so much for all of this. It's been really, really wonderful chatting with you, truly. Thank you. And that concludes the show. First, I want to say thanks to Nicole. I, I mean, Nikki, thank you for that. For the interview, find out more at scratchmadebakery.com about the bakery itself or go drool over the photos of cakes and cupcakes and pies and all this stuff uh, at Scratch Made Bakery on Instagram. 
Also, thanks to Ben at Pestex Pest Control and to Dr. Eddie Sauer for sponsoring the show. And I also want to say thanks to Angelina Marie for her editing expertise week in and week out. Hey Amarillo is made possible thanks to the financial support of my executive producers, Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, Daniel Davis, Corey Burns, Chris Zelda, Jennifer Callahan, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wes Reeves, Wilson Lemieux, and Jason Burr. All those folks support the show through patreon.com slash heyamarillo, and you can do it too. And if you want to see pictures of each week's guest, follow the show on Instagram or Facebook. This has been episode 123. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.